3: ...to the latest instalment of the Forza Italian Football Podcast. For the second week running, I'm your host, Conor Clancy... ...and I'm joined this week by two of last week's team... ...with Liam Stewart having to sit out the recording. I don't often get the opportunity to brag... ...but this week, I'm a little bit jubilant, so forgive me. I'm the only person on the podcast who saw his team win over the weekend... ...and it's not often that I get the opportunity to say that. First up, I've got my right-hand man, Luca Gumby... ...for the second week in a row... Luca, come sta?
4: Uh hi everyone. Yeah, I'm feeling uh happy to be here again for the second week running. I'm not sure if I've ever done that before. I've always been making more fleeting appearances on the podcast, but uh yeah, like I said, happy to be here have a little quick chat about uh Sarah and what's been going on.
3: Yeah, much like myself, I tend to come in and out quite sporadically, but now we've been dumped in at the deep end really um next with inter being dragged back down to reality after the highs of their victory over juventus nicholas carroll returns after the draw against bologna nick how are you keeping
0: i'm good thanks connor i hope everyone's well um bit of a setback as you mentioned but i'm still trying to keep my thoughts positive i think uh there's a lot of good things that are coming in the team and uh, exciting weekend for me as well as an australian i might mention that. A Young 18-year-old Panos Amanakis made his debut on the bench for Udinese against Sassuolo. So he didn't get to the field, but if he does this season, he'll be the youngest Aussie to represent in the Serie A. So there you go.
3: That's exciting times, actually. Hopefully an Irishman can follow in his footsteps sometime soon. (laughs) I won't hold my breath for that one. Anyway, we're going to jump straight in. It's not always easy to know where to begin with these podcasts, but this week there is only one place to start. On Tuesday, Francesco Totti celebrated his 40th birthday, as I'm sure all of our listeners will have seen on their Facebook and Twitter timelines. So to kick things off a little differently, I want to get the ball rolling by hearing your personal favourite Francesco Totti goals or moments. Nick, I'll go to you first.
0: Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to kind of, I know you put this question to us, how do you sum up all those goals in so many appearances. But I guess the two that stuck with me are actually both against two of my teams, funnily enough. Um, one was in the 2005-2006 season against Inter. Um, it was a quite an incredible solo effort, really. He um, intercepted the ball, I believe, beat two defenders, and then chipped Julio Cesar from outside the box. Um, so it was one of those kind of individual moments of brilliance from Totti um, that I'm sure a lot of uh, Roma fans will, will remember. Uh, I believe they won that game 3-2. And the other one actually, while it was one, possibly one of the worst moments of my life in the, um, the 2006 World Cup um, when Italy knocked out Australia in the round of 16, um, it was the dying moments and... Fabio Grosso had won a dubious penalty, let's say, and uh, I just remember my heart sank at the time because I knew straight away who was going to be taking it and I knew what the result was going to be. And I'll never forget the, the camera spanning towards his eyes as it was just his focus, his concentration, and you just knew it was going in, and I knew that was the campaign going on for Australia. So... While it was a, a negative for me, it was very much, um, I think, characteristic of his ability to always uh, step up to the plate and deliver for his team.
3: Yeah, that that goal he scored against Inter was one that I was going to discuss. If there's, if there's ever a goal to sum up Francesco Totti, as difficult as that is, it's probably that one. He showed all of his ability in that goal and... The finish was just out of this world, and um, there aren't many people that can do that so regularly. Opposing goalkeepers must be wise to the fact that he's going to try that, and he said you just can't describe him at times. Luca, have you anything to add? Well, I think one of them might be spinning your thunder, but I might come back to that one,
4: and uh, the other one, which wasn't perhaps necessarily the most significant goal of his career, but it was uh, a couple of years ago way at Manchester city when he became the oldest goal in the champions league to a uh, level it up at one, one in uh, Manchester because sort of traditionally, or at least in recent years, Roma have just been very poor in Europe. And then you kind of expect that sort of game to get away from them. But then he was there sort of cute finish past heart breaks that record and uh yeah, it was just a nice moment for him to get that record in the Champions League. And it was an important goal against what perhaps we've become used to seeing from Rome. And then the other one, which I just sort of mentioned fleetingly, was the uh, one by Amsterdamian Funder when we were there a few years ago for a not especially important game against Atalanta. And he just booted the ball into his own subs bench. And none of them had the ball to say anything back to him because he was Francesco Totti. And they had to just sit there and take it.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I was going to go. It's not a goal, but if ever there's a moment to show you exactly what he was at that club, no one dared stand up and question what he was doing. And I admired a bit, if that's the right word, that after smacking it against his own dugout, he stood there staring at every single player sitting on it as if to challenge them to get up and say something bad about him. So we're going to move on now well in a way from Francesco Totti and we're going to look at his side Roma at the weekend they lost to a resurgent Torino side and in typical Roma fashion really they created plenty but were a complete mess at the back and they can't really complain about the result. Liam isn't here this week to berate their lack of defensive organization so who wants to step up Are their personnel the only issue or does Luciano Spalletti have a lot to answer for?
4: Um, Well, in my opinion, it's not necessarily a terrible result for Roma. I think they lost away at Torino in 26 years and obviously that kind of record has to come to an end at some point and Torino had a bit of momentum then conceded in their previous two games and uh, they had Bellotti back, who's been one of the so it looks like he could be one of the players of the season this year. So I, I don't think it's necessarily that they're uh, a terrible team, Roma, defensively. I think they were a bit disorganised. They were against a strong opposition, so I don't think they should necessarily be really pilloried for that. But uh, yeah, they could have got back into the game once they uh, scored with a penalty of their own. But I think they were second best throughout. But that's going to happen and in away games. It's not... Uh, it's not a complete disaster, but I think they're not necessarily a brilliant team. But they they can improve. They've got room for improvement.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's a a devastating loss by any means. But I mean, to me, it's just kind of the the same typical Roma. Like they're they're very inconsistent both in attack and defense. Some weeks they're scoring four goals, and some weeks they're conceding three goals. So it's um. You know they have the ability to to attack. Obviously, we've seen that. I mean, their attack, their shots on goals uh, is more than I think anyone in the league. But um, defense, obviously, is the issue. And um, <laughs> it was um, it would have been good to have Liam on again. I know he had a bit of a rant last week, so unfortunately, we won't hear that this week. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, a lot of the times it seems like um, it's only Manolas kind of left to pick up the pieces I'm not sure um the others are really um contributing to the defense so it's um there's a lot of work to do for Spalletti and I'm not sure that he's going to be able to fix all the problems with the squad he has um I think he does need to
3: improve the quality what areas would you prioritize obviously defensively I guess but are there is there anyone out there in particular that you think he should look into making a move
4: for Uh, I wouldn't have a specific name in mind myself I just think their fullbacks could sort of just they might want someone who's just completely more of a defensive minded fullback because obviously I think at Torino they had Florenzi and Perez playing and they're both good players but they're more attacking minded and even with De Rossi and uh, Streetman sitting in front of the back. I think they did look quite open on the counter-tank. It was quite easy for Torino to find space out wide. So I don't know if they just want to sort of keep this system and have these sort of defensive midfielders should in the back line. But if it, it clearly didn't work against Torino, I don't know if they could just get some sort of Mediocre defensive fullback who can just plug gaps and not necessarily be much fun to watch. Not someone who's going to get forward bursting up and down the line all game, but they'll just keep the ball away from their goal, clear it, do the simple things. I, I think it's not necessarily the most attractive option, but I think that could be an extra sort of alternative for them if they just want to make sure that they're a bit less open at the back end and a bit less uh, fun to watch in high-scoring games.
0: But um, just with that, but I guess, you know, it was probably going to be your next question, Connor. but I guess the credit also needs to go to Torino. Um, Obviously, Andrea Bellotti on his return was, um, I mean, played outstanding given it was his first game back and his uh, partnership with Falke was, um, I mean, they took the Roman defence apart. So while Roma's defence wasn't great and they were... As um Luca mentioned, they were kind of ripped apart on the counter, but um, Torino really played their part and while not doing anything you know um, incredibly outstanding they um, they really worked to their strengths and it was, was effective and um, to think that they still had lieage on the bench, um, you know so they're still not
3: back to full strength, so I think um, some exciting times for Torino yeah, I'm glad you brought it there, Nick because you're right that's where I was going next. I think Torino looked really up for the game and it appears that Sinisa Mihailovic's ideas are already being taken on board by the squad I spoke with our very own Marco Jackson during the game and he described them as looking like a stubborn mule of a team basically a representation of Mihailovic himself as a player of course this isn't the first time they've played well this season the win against Bologna springs to mind straight away but do you think they can continue to improve or is this as good as it gets where can you realistically see them finishing this year?
4: I, I do think the ceiling is quite high for them. I think Bellotti, though, is key. Because you just saw it there, he comes back and he scores and gets an assist. I think their issue is always going to be with injuries. I think Desilvestri got injured again against uh, Roma. And uh, I think Liech is always a bit of a... Problematic player, but if, if they can keep everyone yeah, fit, I, I certainly think they can go far. I think they've got a good squad. Mihailovic does get the most out of these kind of teams. I think he could sort of replicate what he did at Sampdoria and what earned him the move to Milan, which didn't work out. I think Hart's doing quite well. There was a sort of slight nervy mistake on his debut, but then he kept two clean sheets and he's played well since. And I think there's a bit of a good feel good factor at that club at the minute, but it's just if they can keep everyone healthy.
0: Yeah, I I think an important thing to remember with Torino, particularly with their defense, is obviously they're going to they're going to concede goals. You know, they don't have a world class defense, and it is a very new defense in that they lost a lot obviously over the transfer window. So the more these players, the more these guys play together, the better it's going to be, and the more of a collective they can play with. So while it's not going to be the best defense in the league, they can certainly there's a lot of room to improve in that defense. And if there's improvement there and the attack can keep going as it is, it's the potential for this team is incredible. And not only for results-wise, but, I mean, it's exciting to watch. I, I love to watch Torino this season so far. So, And, you know, while not um, saying they will, but don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's no reason why they couldn't push for a Europa position um, similar to what they did a couple of seasons ago and what Sassuolo did last
4: season. Yeah, I think they should sort of be aiming for that. I think that is where... They deserve to be. It would be fun to see them in Europe again. And then, even at the back, they had uh, Antonio Barecca, who's a young local fullback, and he played very well against Roma. So, if they can sort of keep bringing through these younger players who step up, then I think they've got a fairly bright future ahead of them this season.
3: I'm glad you mentioned Barecca, Luca. You guys are doing well at leading the conversation exactly where I want to bring it tonight. I was just about to make the point that with Barecca, Bellotti, Benassi and even baselli they've quite a young core and if they can keep hold of that and Mihailovic sticks around for a couple of years surely European football is something that they can definitely expect to have um do you think they can break up the seven sisters and even push for a Champions League place bearing in mind that Italy are getting the fourth place back in a couple of seasons um
0: certainly uh, probably not this season but certainly as you said well, you know when it Expands to four teams. Um, As you said, if they if they keep this team together, the youngsters together, they could be something special. So, I mean, that in itself will be a major task to to keep the 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 other clubs from coming and poaching. So, I mean, that's going to be the major challenge. But I mean, if they can keep a a substantial amount of them, they can definitely they can definitely push and obviously keep Mahalovic. Keep that team atmosphere, um, you know. And Torino is one of those clubs that I think most City um, A supporters would agree that everyone would like to see do well. Um, obviously, had the glory days with Grande Torino um, back in the day. So they they definitely have. If you go to Turin, they definitely have the supporter base there. So you know, there's a lot. Um, there's a lot kind of supporting this club, and it's um, it would be good to see a, a new kind of era dawn where they can be. Successful and possibly become a, a constant in Europe again. So, you know, it's that's a looking a long way ahead, but you know, there's no, it, I guess it all starts with one team, as we saw with Leicester last year. So
4: let's hope so. They have these young players who have less expectation on them, less pressure. They can just sort of enjoy playing their football, enjoy taking the scalps of the bigger teams, sort of punching upwards. And yeah, I think they can. Enjoy what they do, and I think yeah, I think the Europa League would be sort of the ideal place for them, and then they can look to build from that. And then even when they were in it, last last time they were in it, it was quite good fun. They got a big win against was Athletic Bilbao, which perhaps a bit of a surprise. And I think the club's doing some sort of nice nostalgic work in renovating the Stadio Philadelphia as its training base. So they seem sort of happy and moving in the right direction they probably can't move too much higher but i think they should just enjoy where they are
2: you can find us on twitter at seria a ffc or on facebook by searching for Forte Italian.
3: Plushcare.com slash weightloss. Football. Now moving away from Roma against Torino, we spoke a lot about Inter last week and I don't plan on spending too much time on them this time around. But after drawing against Bologna, Frank de Boer oddly called out Jeffrey Cundogbia for not listening to his orders. We had the story up on FIF, so you might have seen it already, but just for those who haven't, here's what he said. Before the game we talked about it and talked about how we had to play simple and on the Bologna goal he did not do that. We already talked about this and he makes these mistakes too often. We cannot accept that from players who we have told many times already. I told him before the game so if he doesn't listen what can I do. We have told him many times but he doesn't want to listen. I thought for the board to call someone out like this it was really quite unusual you don't get that too often except for in England when Jose Mourinho was losing the run of himself. Um, Nick, being our Inter man, I'm going to throw this over to you. What do you think of what Frank De Burris said this week and Geoffrey Kondogbia, basically?
0: Yeah, it was it, as you said, it was a bit kind of unexpected. You don't see that too often these days. But for me, as an Inter fan, I, th- I mean, as a Serie fan, I thought it was actually quite refreshing that, you know, while it is a, I mean, he was obviously a massive signing, but, um, you know, De is not there to take any um, swear word from anyone, clearly. Um, uh, and, you know, the same, I guess, it can be said for Marcelo Brozovic uh, for different reasons, obviously. But, you know, he's clearly not looking at um, who you are, how much you were worth. Um, he's looking at what you're doing on the field and your attitude towards the game. Um, and to be honest, that's what should be most important for the team. So I think it's fantastic. And it, it kind of puts all the rest of the team on call as well on notice that, you know, that he's, he's not going to let you off because, because of your name or because of who you are, um, you know, you need to be performing week in week out and not only performing, but actually listening to what, what it is that you have been assigned to do on the field. And, and, I have to agree 100% with what Dubois was specifically saying for Kondogbia. Obviously, just before the Bologna game, uh, Jean Mario had, been, had pulled out um, of the match. So Condogbia um, came in there alongside Medel. Now, playing in that deep role, obviously, you don't want anything. You know, you don't want players to be trying to take everyone on, dribbling through everyone, taking any risks, basically. We should be playing it between defence and the midfield, whether it's through the centre to Beniga or out wide to the likes of Kandreva or Perisic. Um, you know, it's it's pretty simple game, as Debois said, but Kondogbia doesn't do that, and he hasn't done that successfully the whole time he's been at Inter. You look at the, the, in the, whole, the whole league, in terms of successful dribbles per game, Kondogbia actually is equal first with averaging four per game which is all well and good, but that's not his job. He shouldn't be doing this. He he has an average of 2.5 dispossessions per game, which is 14th highest in the league, which doesn't sound that, that bad, but everyone else just about in the top 20, they're all forwards and attacking midfielders who should be taking on the defence, who should be actually dribbling, not a defensive midfielder who has the potential to lose it in front of defence, which is exactly what happened against Bologna and how he conceded. So um, what De Boer is saying about his game is 100% correct and he had every right to bring him off um, for a tactical reason as he did. So, um, yeah, it's just another another frustration in a long line of um, annoyances with Kondogbia because obviously given the given the amount he, uh, we paid for him last season, it just hasn't come close to To justifying.
4: Yeah, Nick, uh, with what you were just saying there about uh, him sort of statistically doing certain things well, but not necessarily the things that he should be doing in his role, do you think that could um, possibly mean there might be some sort of hope for him if he gets retrained to play in a different position, he gets given different responsibilities, or do you think Boer kind of has to play him there and he was right to call him out on these mistakes that he keeps making?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of thinking along the same lines as that, as you know, whether he's he in his mind sees himself as a as a more advanced midfielder because um, he seems to want to play in that manner. So, um, you know, but I mean, when, when he has tried that, I mean, he showed glimpses of skill on the ball here and there, but it's it's not, hasn't been consistent enough to kind of warrant really giving him that advanced role really and um given the squad as it is definitely there's i can't see a place for him to to really be given a chance so um with the squad as it is i can't see him really fitting in anywhere else other than that those uh two defensive positions um in the four two three one uh formation so um you know whether through uh, throughout his career you know, obviously he's still very young, so maybe that might be something for him, but it definitely doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a option for Inter at this point.
3: Do you think it's just at this point that Kondogbia could pose them a problem, or is he likely to be moved on in, if not January, the end of the season, if things don't improve? They did spend a lot of yeah. money on him, so whether or not they could recoup that is a different question.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. If, if we had paid under, you know, maybe... 20, 15 mil, I'd say, hundred percent he'd be gone. But when it's when you're talking thirty plus mil, it's kind of hard to just uh, you know cut your losses on that. That's a that's a lot of money, particularly when you know enters in financial fair play. Uh, got the financial fair play regulations already. You know, in Europa with just the twenty one man squad, you know we're already in trouble for that. And when we're using the investment that we have done um, that has put us in that trouble. Isn't providing anything back. That makes it even harder to kind of cut those losses. So it's it's a hard, it's a really hard one, and that it probably goes more back to the the lack of foresight with the initial uh, with the initial transfers and actually purchasing him for that amount in the first place. So it's a hard one to get out of, and I don't, I well, from my position, I have no idea because I can't see any club paying near that given how he's performing at the moment. So,
3: yeah, it's a difficult one. Well, at least if he oh, keeps well. this up, you've got the super Andrea Ranocchia to step in in this place. Oh,
0: yeah, exactly. So you've got Kondogbia losing it in midfield and then Ranocchia trying to cover him. So
3: That's a forward's dream, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I
4: suppose a few of the sort of players who've been touted as the future of Inter have sort of petered out quite disappointingly. I wonder if that sort of plays on the mind of the club as well in that perhaps they've let players like Coutinho go in the past after sort of touting them up and then they're disappointed that perhaps that gives them a bit more incentive to give Kondogby a a chance to come good so he doesn't do so elsewhere, I guess. uh, They've got Gabriel Barbosa now as well. It's this sort of big, new, expensive uh player who's got a lot of potential. I think they'll obviously, so obviously he's a different player, but I don't know how much it sort of pays on plays on their mind, how they've had these sort of players leave them and then do well elsewhere. I don't know if that, perhaps with Kondogbia, they'll want to give him more of a chance and they might with someone else.
2: Remember, we want to hear what you think, so get in touch with us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on fodsaitalianfootball.com.
3: Okay, I think that's enough inter for not just this week, but probably the next couple of <laughs> weeks as well. Uh, we're going to go down to the bottom of the table now to a much neglected part of the Italian football world. At At the very bottom, Crotone look to be cut adrift. And I know this is harsh, but they seem as though they're going to be the whipping boys of the league this year. Even Atalanta managed to smash them and put three past them, which in my opinion is a complete worst case scenario and everyone should be sacked straight away. Do you think it's just a case of Crotone and two others for the drop or is it too early to write them off completely?
0: Uh, For me, uh, you know what? I would have loved to actually see Crotone do well um, given that my family is actually from Calabria. So it would have been good to see a a club from that area do well. Obviously it's not a lot of major clubs down in that southern italy in the mainland so um but i mean for having watched them so far they just they look a, a class below um unfortunately um they don't seem to have the quality so you know while i don't want to condemn them to relegation six games in it's it's definitely not looking well and i definitely put them as 20th for me so far
3: to be honest i think I'm just trying to say that they're nailed on for relegation to ease my concerns a little bit because then, <laughs> then there's one less spot to worry about. But, um, Luca, what about yourself? Do you think Crotone are nailed on for the drop? or Well, basically, guys, who are your three teams to go down this year?
4: Yeah, I think Crotone presumably will finish bottom next. I've got this kind of slapdash approach to recruitment and even uh, with the coach but I think Nicola's in a bit of danger now and it's worked for them but perhaps Serie is a, a step too far. I think, uh, yeah, they're probably going to go unless Marcello Trotto goes on a great goal-scoring run. Uh, I think Palermo could be another one to go down. I don't think they're still necessarily really looking much better than they did last season. And otherwise, maybe I think Empoli could be in a bit of trouble as well. They've um, lost Gianpaolo. I thought last year they would go. And I think he did a very good job to keep them up last year. And just their resources and the squad they've got probably isn't quite enough. But I think they've got more of a fighting chance than well certainly Crotone. So I would say Crotone, Palermo and Empoli, which I think is the current bottom three. So it's not particularly imaginative, but I'll, I think I'll stick for that for the moment.
0: Uh, for me, oh, I'd agree with uh, Palermo joining Crotone. I mean, it sh- has to be this season, surely, after a couple of seasons of drama, managerial changes. It's, I mean, it's a wonder that they are still in the L- Serie A at the moment. So I am um, I think this is the year that Palermo go down. Um. As the third, I think there might be a, a decent battle for that. I think actually Pescara might end up um, going back down to Serie B. Uh, I know Empoli hasn't had the best start, but I think they might just have that experience that might get them through. Obviously, they had a quite a good patch last season, so you know they've got um, some of those you know main players still there um, with that experience, and I think. They can certainly find some form throughout the season, enough so that they can avoid relegation. Um, and the same goes for Atalanta. I think they just have that Serie a experience that might see them outlast the likes of Pescara.
3: Um, You've saved yourself wait. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it, it's, if I'm allowed to give my opinion here, Atalanta looked like they were in big trouble. I think the win, the recent win, gives them a lot of confidence. The international break is probably coming at a bad time because they'll forget about this and then they come back to face Napoli and that could go very badly indeed. But I do think with Gasparini there and they have a few players who have been through it all before, they should be able to stay up. Um, Actually, level on points with same goal difference, same wins, same losses this season as Sampdoria. Luca they've not gotten off to the best starts I think it's safe to say a few players moved on in the summer and it's really not going well for them at the moment do you think they could find themselves in a relegation fight or will Gianpaolo do what he did with Empoli and guide them to mid-table safety
4: um, before the season started I was pretty pessimistic and I was kind of of the view oh, they're, they're just going down they've of all the best players it's stupid it's just short-sighted it's just cashing in and really not showing enough respect to the prospect of relegation but then they started quite well in their first couple of games and then I think all of the games where they have lost they have been somewhat unlucky Uh, with the Calgary game for example they sort of carried on four got a late equaliser and then it was just a complete howler from Viviana which you just cannot account for and he's been one of the best players this season I think I think they should be okay. I think they've got some good young players, and uh, I think Linetti looks like a very good young player. I think perhaps one of the problems might be up front with having to rely on Quagliarella so much, but I think Muriel does offer some pace off him as a foil, but I, I think they should be okay. I think they have played okay, and the only worry I would have is that perhaps sometimes they do look quite good without necessarily having enough of a cutting edge, it's a bit toothless it's a bit pretty without result but I think Paolo has sort of managed to give them a bit of an identity and as long as they keep with it they should really be able to fight and just get through this and even young players like Pryor, if they can really get going they're probably able to look up the table and be solid in mid-table I think rather than looking down at the drop
0: yeah, I'd have to imagine that Sampdoria fans are looking at the table at the moment, six points down in 15th and having lost four in a row, kind of being, I don't know, a bit bemused almost because um, I, I certainly don't think they deserve to be down there. And as you mentioned, Luca, they haven't played that badly. Um, They have been unlucky in, uh, as you mentioned, a couple of the games. And I was actually at the Milan game Um in uh, Geneva a couple of weeks back, and they certainly deserve to win that match. Um, so, uh, I, and I don't, I don't, I like the way they're playing, actually. It's, it's, um, you know, they're, they're putting pressure on the opposition. So uh, I, I definitely think um, it's just a temporary thing down the bottom. I think they can definitely push for a, a comfortable mid-table um, at the very least because, yeah, I, I don't think they deserve to be that bad. It's just been um, some unfortunate circumstances, I think, more than anything. So I think they they'll be able to avoid any relegation scraps this season.
4: Yeah, it has been a few kind of just bizarre mistakes, which you don't normally have to worry with. With Viviano's sort of just coming out and completely missing the ball, and then being ahead on top with momentum against Roma, and then it just starts to pour down with rain, and the game gets dis. Uh, postponed for a couple of hours and against Milan their goals disallowed when perhaps they shouldn't have been I think yeah once they get their next win which probably presumably isn't too far off that should sort of just help build a bit more of a winning habit because they have been playing well they just haven't really gotten these results that their performances have deserved
3: and I think that's enough for this week guys thanks to you both for joining me once again Um, I'm sure all of you listening will be absolutely delighted to know that Connell Shaw is returning next week to take over from me, so I can have some time off. And I'm sure you will all be happy to hear him with his usual team back again. Until next time, which hopefully won't be for a while. It's ciao for now.
2: Palla per il pallone per i Turbe, avanza ancora i Turbe. Punta basta, ancora turbo e sta per di rigore. Lo scambio con gli fuori dall'area di rigore ancora per Strotman, Il tentativo di tiro cross, il capitano ti ha go! go, go, go. Il minuto di gioco, il gol del capitano, 2 a 1. Il capitano che segna il gol, l'ennesimo gol, l'ennesimo gol nel derby. Il decimo gol del capitano nel derby ed è un gol comunque importantissimo. Gol numero 3, primo gol del su... capitano in questa stagione. Roma che dimezza il risultato al secondo del secondo tempo. spinge verso il centro. Tocco verso Strotman appoggia bene a De Rossi che allarga ora Olebass va che andremo su di lui ancora Olebass cerca lo spazio per effettuare il cross lo effetto è questo momento ancora più alto del meno 5-10 centimetri il capitano si è allungato tutto si è allungato tutto il tocco in diagonale il tocco in diagonale, undicesimo gol undicesimo gol nel derby al diciottesimo minuto il raddoppio e la doppietta del capitano 2-2, quarto gol in maglia giallorossa il grandissimo gol, si fa un selfie si sta facendo il selfie il capitano sotto la curva spettacolare